Hey, what's up, everybody? And you're listening to Career Insights 501, and I'm your host, Dr. Loso. Today, we have a special guest, Niasha Riley, and she's going to be talking to us about a career as the head of Global Keynote. So um, I have no idea what that is. I, I have some like ideas formulated in my head, but she's going to tell us all about that today. Um, welcome to the show, Niasha. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I just want to let you know that that's everybody's response when I tell them what I do. <laughs> I think uh, I have some idea, but I'll see if I'm right when you start explaining um, what you do. Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm the head of global keynotes for Amazon Web Services. Um, keynotes are basically one part of our global events. So I'm part of the marketing team. Uh, it's considered experiential marketing for those of you who are marketers. If you're not, that means we do events. Um, and the keynote is exactly what it sounds like. So every time you see one of our C-suite executives um, or someone standing on stage inside of an event that Amazon Web Services owns, my team produced that show. So we gotcha. put on the, the the lights and action and, you know, all the things. Um, the keynote are usually the uh, the cornerstone of every event, right? When people come to an event, they're usually coming to hear from the people um, that are hosting or that lead the company or who are, you know, inventing whatever that company makes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, that's definitely not quite what I thought it was. I thought it was kind of like pimping all over the world and, you know, just going around. And <laughs> just because you see me all over the world. I mean, that's what I'm Yeah, doing. I see you in a lot of, a lot of different places. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get on your level. Hey. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, to say that you are the first lady of um, Career Insights 501. So... Congratulations on that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. I, um, um, and just to give you all a little bit of background, Yasha and I worked together um, some time ago at, at Disney. We did the Disney College program together. So that's how we known each, know each other. And we've kept in touch over the years. And, you know, we grew, into, grew to be really good friends. Um, Don't tell but, them how So, Niasha, get, what was that? I said, don't tell them how many years. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why I said <laughs> quite a while. I didn't tell them all the all the details. <laughs> we'll let our age fool them, especially mine. Um, but could you could you give them a little bit of background about like your educational um background? Absolutely. So um I have done a lot of degrees. Um, I did a, uh, I'm one of those folks who finished high school early and went to college at 16. And so I got a bachelor's degree really when I should have been getting my high school diploma. I'm sorry, I got an associate's degree when I should have been getting my high school diploma. Um, so I kind of got those almost at the same time. That was just a mm -hmm. 
social science degree. There wasn't anything specialized about it. Um, it was just to get me to my bachelor's. And then uh, my undergrad degree, I actually did an international affairs major um, with concentrations in Mandarin and political science. Um, and then I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I just wanted to travel. Disney gave me that. Um, and I went and got a graduate certification in teaching English as a foreign language. And then I got lost one day and I ran into uh, Rollins College, like literally got lost and ended up on the campus. <laughs> and uh, that's how I ended up going to Rollins to get an MBA. Um, so then I got an MBA in marketing and management. Okay, cool, cool. So your degrees really did play a, a big part into, I guess, your current role. I would say my grad degree did because I was okay. a career changer, um, prior mm. to working. So I work in tech now, I've worked in tech for almost eight years. Prior to that though, I had a lot of roles that other people would have considered their careers, um, but they just weren't for me. So I worked in state mm. government as an analyst. Um, I worked for the corporate office of Marriott vacation club. I did quite a few things before I decided to get my MBA because um, I knew I wanted to change um, sectors, I guess would be the best way to say that. Um, but I wasn't really sure how to do so without a higher education um, or, or a f furthering my degrees. Um, so I got my MBA so that I could move over into tech. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So could you could you tell us a little bit about how um, the day in and day out looks with your, your current role? So I'm assuming that like the planning part, the part that takes place in the office is a lot different from once you actually get to the event. Absolutely. Um, so I have a team of folks who work, I hate to say for me, but with me um, mm -hmm. and uh, they own different parts of our business. So um my job is really to make sure that everybody is moving in the same direction, that we all know what our jobs are supposed to be and are able to accomplish them without um, too much headache. Uh, and mm -hmm. then to make sure that I'm removing the obstacles for all the people on my team. Um, we plan out, oh gosh, upwards of 20 events a year. And these are events ranging from 2,000 to 55,000 people. Um, so they, they are quite substantial and then, um, and, and they are global. So my team does things all over the world. Um, when we're at an event, uh, we are running a million miles an hour. We are wrangling executives. We are, um, I'm checking camera shots and lighting and, um, Oh, I guess I didn't say that. So before an event, you really have to, we are building an experience, right? So mm -hmm. with Keynote, when you walk into a room of any big speech or big show production, everything in that room was meticulously curated. So 
What are the lights going to look like? What is the scenery going to look like? Is there going to be a podium? Is there not going to be a podium? Are we going to have security barriers? Is that necessary? Are they too tall for our cameras? Can you see over them, right? Every single detail down to are the curtains wrinkled um, have to be considered before we get into that space, right? Did we clear with fire marshals so that the seating is correct and everybody in the room is safe. You know, we're in a time and place where safety is a different level of concern than it has been in, in our, our history. Um, mm -hmm. And so we have to be very meticulous about that. You know, can we make sure, well, the fire marshals tell us what we can and cannot do a lot, but we take extra measures to say, okay, how do we make sure a speaker is secure if something happens up front? How do we, there are just so many things that have to be done before you can ever walk in a room to get an event ready. So, um, yeah. Wow. That's, that's a lot. You know, I definitely wouldn't have thought about all of those things. Um, especially like the stuff with the fire marshal. Um, but that is the thing, like you go into restaurants and they have the maximum occupancy for, you know, it's typically where I see it, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's everywhere. Um, but I, I did want to ask you, so I have two questions based off of that. And the first one is with both of you, you and I working for Disney in the past, um, you know, we both know that their big thing is selling the experience and not necessarily the, um, like the rides and the characters at the park. Um, how much of that do you think influenced or help you with your current role? I always tell people that Disney shaped my future um, mm -hmm. because what has consistently helped me in all of my career moves is my ability to always have my customer or client in the room with me as far as what I'm thinking about, right? So Disney taught me that the customer guest experience is always number one and those other things are important, but that will always be on top. And so in every role that I've had, um, that has been kind of one of my superpowers is mm -hmm. always thinking about the guest, the guest and customer experience. And that helps me to be a better marketer because I'm thinking about how is our company's message being received? How are we actually showing someone, making them feel, hear, see the things that we want them to in order to communicate our message? Cool, cool. I just wanted to ask that because like, you know, with the stuff that I'm working on now with, with my book and insight and, and this, I really look at theming and, and building something unique. So like coming up with, I guess my own like vernacular or vocabulary specific words to go with um, things. So like, I don't call my videos episodes. I call them info shows because they're informative episodes. So stuff like that. Um, and so just, Knowing people who work for Disney, I guess, really starting from the college program and going into their professional careers, be it with or with outside of Disney, just seeing how that influence played a part on them or if it did at all. Because um, in my experience, it's a very divisive, I, I guess, if you're working in the parks, like either you love it or hate it for the most part. Um, so and I loved it. So Disney, don't try to sue me. I'm not bad mouthing you. I'm not trying to have a. <laughs> A situation with Oprah in the beef industry. So, 
<laughs> a lot of my uh, longtime friends came from Disney and, and my, I still yeah. go to the park. I still have an appreciation for the work that they do. Um, mm-hmm. So this is definitely not a bad mouth Disney moment. <laughs> <laughs> my second question was, what, what would be some of the titles of the people who work um, with you? So uh, those people that report to you, like what would some of those roles be? Yes. Yeah, so um, I have event managers slash event producers who work for me. Um, I have program and project managers that work for me. Um, those are usually the top. I do also have uh, outside companies, we call them contractors, that work for me. Um, and they are, I have executive producers, I have cameramen, I have lights, I have sound guys. Um, so the they run the whole gamut of uh, show production in those roles. Nice. So you easily could transfer transfer over into like a Hollywood role, huh? You know, it never occurred to me <laughs> that that was possible, but I have a friend who does movies and he happened to be around me when I was working and he said, are you, are you planning on taking this to Hollywood? Because this is what our uh, assistant director does. And I was like, oh, well, maybe you know, be on the big screen or behind the big screen. Um, yeah, it's it's funny that you said that because it, it mm-hmm. came up recently. So, so what would it look like um, if somebody were to take a more traditional approach, like starting from the bottom, now we're here type of approach to get into your position? Um, because I know you've moved around a lot in your career. So I know you had like more senior roles and you kind of just, I feel like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you just move from one senior level position to another and not necessarily, um, I guess, moving up. Because I felt like you've kind of been up there for a while in your career. First of all, thank you. That's flattering. Um, <laughs> I, so at my last tech company, while I did um, end up becoming a more senior person. It definitely didn't start off that way. Um, so there was some climbing at that company for sure. Um, and there was definitely a big jump in, uh, so I worked for Intel before and now I'm at Amazon Web Services. And so from Intel to Amazon, there was also a jump in seniority as well. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as far as Getting to this role, um, I'll use one of my employees as an example, because I think her journey Mm -hmm. is kind of traditional. Um, So in school, uh, I believe she did marketing or communications, one or the other. Um, And then as soon as she got her bachelor's degree, because honestly, as long as you have a bachelor's, eh, it doesn't really always matter what it's in. Um, (laughs) She went and got, it doesn't, she went and got her marketing professional uh, certification. So uh, the CMP, Certified Marketing Professional, no, sorry, Certified Meeting Professional, which is an event specialist certification. And so Mm. what that does is you have the degree, which gets you in the door and then having that event certification and also 
if you can get event uh, experience before you join. It's also very helpful. But having that, especially if you are not already very senior, is extremely helpful because it lets people know that uh, they can trust you with the basics because every single company is going to do events differently, right? I had to completely relearn the processes that Amazon uses when I left Intel. Um, and it, it's just the nature of it. So what people need to know when they're looking to hire you is, can you do well under pressure? Have you had varied situations and scenarios that you've had to think through and have come out on the other side? Um, and then just give us the piece of paper, right? It doesn't take much to get a, it does take effort, but it doesn't cost a lot <laughs> to get a CMP. Uh, I want to be very clear mm -hmm. that I am not saying that's easy uh, or, or, you know, mm -hmm. any less of that, but it doesn't take a lot of money, right? It doesn't take the same amount of money that you had to invest in a bachelor's to get a CMP. And you can do that and tell a company, not only do I have some experience, but I thought enough of myself as, as a professional to go and get this extra certification. Gotcha. So, so let me ask you this, and you're probably aware of this, like in tech, how um, there's more, they're kind of starting to shift, looking at people to hire with the skills and not necessarily a degree. Do you feel like that's maybe a, a option for somebody going into this field where they could like kind of like skip or circumvent the bachelor's degree and just get the CMP? CMP, you got it. Definition? CMP um, and get into a role like that, or would most companies still look for somebody with a bachelor's degree as well? The short answer is if you're not technical, very technical for a skill that's in high demand, you need a degree to get into the room. And that is even mm -hmm. more true if you are a melanated professional, um, you, mm -hmm. you definitely need still the degree. Um, and in my organization where everyone's marketers, absolutely, you you do. you, And it'll be a while before our industry is willing to loosen that rein. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was just wondering, because you did mention um, certification, I see CMP on a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, but I never knew that it was a certification. I thought it might've been like an MBA or, you know, PhD at the end of someone's name. Um, oh, yeah. So that's... That's good to know on my behalf. So I actually learned something. Hey, I talked about Hey, because <laughs> I didn't know so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and this might not really apply to your industry. This is more so, I guess, a, like a tech question, but where do you see that industry or career field moving towards in the future? Or do you think it's going to kind of like pretty much stay the same as far as like um, job functionalities, the integration of technologies, duties and responsibilities that one might have in that role? So I definitely think my industry is growing. Um, I, I know mm -hmm. it is. So what has happened is it has taken companies years, many of them, to realize just how important events are as part of your marketing strategy. And so now that people are getting a little more hip to the fact that this is how you communicate who you are, right? The experiences mm -hmm. you create for people, that's the only time they get to feel and touch you in many cases. So, or, or interact with you in many cases um, as a company. And so 
the demand for events is definitely increasing, especially virtual and in-person events, mm. having that, that hybrid ability. Um, because there are plenty of companies who are always going to be good at in-person events, but they suck at virtual and vice versa. So being able to do both of those is going to be uh, big for sure. So what type of technical skills would you recommend people learn that wants to get into this? I forgot about the second part of that question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so uh, there are a ton of technical people who work with us in events. Um, we have uh, graphic designers. We have people who are doing user experience. So uh, UX design. And I think you can get away with doing UX design without a degree. Um, there, there are some places that will allow you to move uh, differently there. Um, we have tech guys who work in IT. So there's networking at every one of our events. We're bringing our own network in. So we have whole IT departments that we're having set up um, in remote locations mm -hmm. on site. Um, we always are going to have uh, tons of computers and um we're basically setting up an office in every place that we go. So anyone who's involved with that, we're going to, to need as far as technical ability. Um, events are becoming more technologically advanced in general. So you're talking about, you know, facial recognition. You're talking about mm -hmm. um, biometric scanners. You're talking about um, uh virtual reality inside of the event itself, right? There's just so many things gotcha. artificial intelligence we're already using, right? So um, it's definitely a space where technical skills are going to be in demand. Um, and that's only me thinking about the in-person. Virtual events are always going to need technical folks, right? Just for the nature right. of what they are. Oh, that's crazy. I was just, I was thinking that was like all inclusive. I like, that was a lot. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy where like things are going, you know, I, I've been going to a lot of conferences lately in AR and VR, like the extended reality is really becoming a big thing within, um, corporate America. So just to think about, you know, you all using that type, that type of technology at your events is, um, is something. I just saw something with, um, who is it? Meg the Stallion, a concert, um, with the, cause I have the Oculus and, uh, or the MetaQuest, whatever it's called. And people were saying like, it was uh, like a dope experience. So I, I don't know. Um, just thinking about how that might work at a, a conference space and maybe how people could collaborate while they're at a conference or a keynote event like that. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah. And I actually, uh, realized that I, did not explain at all what AWS does. Um, so okay. for folks that do not know, Amazon Web Services is the cloud computing and data center arm of Amazon. So when you're talking about technical ability, everything we do is about tech. The people who are getting on stage, what they're talking about is technology. What they're talking about is the work that we're doing in data centers, in cloud computing. I mean, we run the data for Netflix um, and we run the data for the PGA and some huge, huge companies that 
only need more computing power, right? They, they are never mm-hmm. going to go. Uh, you're never going to need less computing power, really, than you need today. It's only going to grow. Um, so yeah. that's just another way that technology is such a huge part of what I do. Yeah, I'm glad you caught that because um, I, I, I don't think a lot of people really know what AWS is outside of those people who work in like those technical fields. Like we hear about um, AWS a lot and we see it on commercials or trucks or billboards or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was good that you called that out. We do a lot of stuff, too, because um, at Discover, we use like Amazon services, the AWS, so like the Dockers and containers and Kubernetes and OpenShift and all that. I do a lot of training development around that stuff. So it's oh, nice. it's definitely a lot. And I'm just like, I'm glad that's not my job because <laughs> somebody wouldn't be watching Netflix tonight. They'll just be chilling. Um, oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> It took me a second, but I caught it. It took you a second. Yeah, that'd just be a a chill night right there. Um, (laughs) So what would you say are some required skills for this um, particular role? I know you kind of like briefly talked about them throughout the conversation, but just kind of like lumping them all together. Yeah. Um, So the first would be uh, organization. We are handling so many different things at one time. It's it really important for people to know um, to know how to keep up with all those things uh, and keep them separate. Uh, I would say project management, program management type experience um, where you are absolutely able to juggle all the things, but also able to understand what is needed for all of the different projects you're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to function well under pressure. We are constantly traveling. We are working long days and you need someone who keeps a cool head under pressure. Um, Of course, you have to be comfortable with technology. So, you know, you have to be able to navigate your way through um, the regular old office suite and uh, Slack and Mm. uh, different computer communication uh, options for in-tool communication. But as long as you can function with a computer, you should be okay. Um, Trying to think of what else I look for. Honestly, if you can have that, you pretty much can do, you can do the job. The the easiest way that I'm trying to think of a better way to say that, actually. When I'm looking at hiring people, what I'm looking for is when you came, did you make it better than you left? What, and when you got into a sticky situation, because we all get in sticky situations, how did you get out of it? What did you do to separate yourself? So I don't want to know that you did a job. I want to know that you improved the space you were in and you changed something and you thought of a different way to to do something. I want to see some kind of innovation because creativity is so important. That's another one, creativity. Um, but it every job you're in, in my opinion, is if I have a problem, how can you solve it? Mm-hmm. And this is... So do you... I think that's great. Um, you know, so like the purpose of this podcast is is 
based off of my book and I was doing the, the videos and trying to talk about all these different things, but it just became too much trying to like research and do everything and like record and edit. So that's why I had, um, you know, guests like you come on, but I do talk about interviewing in the book and I think that's such a big thing. Um, so those interview questions that you get like that, those situational based interview questions, I, I feel like a lot of people stumble, um, you know, on those questions. So I think that hearing from a hiring manager, what they're looking for is some good insight for them to um, have when going to their next job interview. I want to ask you this. Do you um, like formulate your, I guess, perception of the responses based off of the star method? So the situation, the task, the um, action and the result. Yes. If you interview at Amazon for any role, star method, star method, star method. Study it forward, frontward, backwards. Everything you do, everything you say needs to be shaped around that if you're interviewing at any part of Amazon. My suggestion, no, not suggestion. My advice is if you are going to interview at any company, situational questions are going to happen. That's when the STAR method is used is in a situational interview question. Do not use a story that you don't have anything to say about. So if I poke and prod at your story, I should be able to get five or six questions deep with you about mm -hmm what the situation was like, how you handle it, what were you thinking about in that way, in that situation, and what process did you use to come to your conclusion? Did you collect data? What data was it? If you don't have real solid details around mm -hmm. the situations that you are planning to use, you cannot use them in an interview. And you definitely shouldn't at Amazon because that. Knowing the STAR method is step one. Being able to get really, really into the nitty-gritty details is step two, three, and four. Hmm. I think there's really great information. So when I think about people talking about the STAR method, most of the time they, um, I think, pose it as being able to answer each one of those questions at a very surface level. So what was the situation that you were in? Like, what was your task? And you answered that, you know, very high level. And then, you know, what did you, um, what was the action that you took? And so it really, a lot of times when I hear people talk about it, they don't talk about that nuance of being able to um, branch out or go deeper into like each one of those questions or each one of those sections of the um, STAR method. So I think that's some really great advice for listeners. Hell, even me. Um, <laughs> not that I'm going anywhere anytime soon, but, you know, just if I were ever to look for a career somewhere else outside of Discover, then, you know, it'd be good advice for me to take. But I think I've been around the block a couple of times that I could <laughs> yeah, answer I think, you know, a question in, in depth. <laughs> but I did have another question about that. Um, if somebody doesn't necessarily have that experience, say if it's somebody just, just graduated, graduated college, um, and they can't answer the star method to that um, level of detail or they don't really have a job situation or didn't work. They just went to school full time. How would you suggest that they answer that question? 
So you're trying to stump me here. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, <laughs> so, so what I tell people is sometimes if you can't think of an example, it's actually okay to say, I have not experienced that. I'm new in my career and I just have not experienced that. But based on this situation that you've proposed, here's what I think would happen. Here's what I think mm -hmm. should happen. Here's how I would approach that. Um, it's okay if someone's interviewing for a junior a more junior role, they know that the possibility is there, that you haven't had all the experiences that they're looking for. And trust me, especially if you're talking about Amazon, they have a lot more questions they can substitute, right? They they, they don't have mm -hmm. to ask you that specific one. They may be able to pull another one out of their bank um, and ask you something different if they need to, or they'll give you the opportunity to say, how, you would, how would you approach that problem? Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm going to ask you, are, are there any, like, is there anything else that you would like to like say about your role or that realm of, of fields that um, people like advice or anything that you would like to give to the listeners? This is like your, your, your moment to freestyle. <laughs> um, I would say if you are interested in a career in events um, the best way to get there is to start doing events in your current job. Every company has internal events that they're hosting just for employees. They have, you know, events in your community. Just start doing events. I did events for a nonprofit um, that I was volunteering for, volunteering with uh, for quite a few years. And that was the beginning of my career in events mm -hmm. was that I'd had over a decade of doing that in a volunteer capacity. Um, and yeah, I had increasing responsibilities inside of that volunteer organization and eventually ran it. Um, but that showed companies too, that I was able to handle leadership and do these things, even when I wasn't getting paid to do so. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying go out and work for free, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but if you have an organization, extracurricular activity that you already enjoy, you know, some people do boys and girls clubs, they have events, whatever it is that is in your community, if it's not already part of what you do, um, you have the option to use that as uh, as a part of your experience, right? So you can mm -hmm. show um, show a company that you you have the ability to do the work. Hi, I'm Niasha Riley, and you're listening to Career Insights Five Hundred One with Dr. Loso. So I have two follow up questions off mm -hmm. of that, and I guess one is more of a statement or a hypothesis. Um, but the first is. What type of professional development um, opportunities are there available for someone in this field? I know we've mentioned the certification, and I feel like kind of like going to those um, events and helping out can like help develop you as a professional, um, like volunteering because you are getting the knowledge. But are there some other things like conferences or organizations, um, that type of thing that, that you could think of that could help somebody develop as a professional in that career? 
Absolutely. So there are meeting professional conferences um, where people get together talking about industry, um, help you in, in growing in your career. Absolutely. Um, there are multiple organizations for meeting professionals. There are even like local chapters of those organizations. So not just the national ones. Um, I would say that you can also um, there's also, uh, I was trying to think of publications, publications. Okay. For yeah. those, uh, those organizations have publications and they have training um, in addition to the conferences. So they have regular continued education training that happens throughout the year. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. And so my second or my follow-up to that um, was... You, you you mentioned like going to those events and like the boys and girls club. I would think that um, you know even just going to an event and not necessarily participating in it, but maybe staying um, later or coming early to see how things are done if you can do that. So what made me think about that is last late last year I went to a Chicago Bulls game and we were standing around talking in little sweet and they were taking the floor, like taking the floor apart. And I did, had no idea like that there was a thing. I just thought the basketball court was, you know, like on the concrete, but they were getting ready for a hockey game. So actually seeing how that whole operation worked gave me more, it gave me insight, you know, as to how that operation worked um, post game and kind of an idea of how it worked pregame, but to see how they were so coordinated. So I, I guess the same could apply for um, people in your field as well? I think so. Um, I, I would say that if you're at a concert or if you're at um, a live speaking engagement, you can, you can definitely see um, as soon as the lights go down, people start swarming and you can see all those people who start coming out that are taking out, mm -hmm. they're taking down um, LED screens and they're taking down lights and they're, you know, taking down routers because of the network that they brought in. Um, but you also, if you go beforehand, you can see people who are testing the sound. You can see the people who are testing the camera angles, the lighting. You can absolutely, absolutely you can. Um, in some situations though, you're not allowed in, the space. So before would be much harder than after, but right. uh, after they don't, they don't always kick people out before they start tearing things down. Yeah. Gotcha. It's funny because it, it, it made me think about um like the, the online section that you talked about earlier and just our little technical difficulties that we had um before we started trying to get well, on my end, trying to get the mic and everything working and we were playing around with lighting and all that stuff. So I guess it's just kind of like, it's there in a lot of things that we probably do on a daily basis, but don't necessarily realize. Yeah. And I definitely was thinking if my sound engineer was here, I wouldn't have because <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> so this doesn't necessarily have to deal with your current job, but, um, in my book, I have a section called my, um, my boss, my enemy. Um, but for the, the podcast, I switched it over to my, my friend, my enemy. And is there a situation where you were at work and either you had to deal with a difficult 
employer or coworker, or there's a situation where they really help you out um, in your career and help excel you and take you to the next level or just kind of like accomplish a task or, you know, a specific uh, career goal of yours. Is there like anything? It doesn't have to be on the, the negative side. I just think those stories are typically more entertaining when. Um... <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, I, uh, yes, all of it. Um, I got about 10 examples of the bad and 10 examples of the good. I probably have way, I have way more good than I have bad probably. But the bad stories are definitely <laughs> more entertaining. Um, okay, so which would you prefer? We going positive? We going negative? What are we doing? I'll let, it's your story, so I'll let you pick. <sighs> I need ratings. We need to be like on the the reality TV shows. Tell me about like flipping desk over. Okay, let me tell you about the one time I wanted to flip a desk over at work. <laughs> so it's the only time. <laughs> that I've ever felt so strongly that I should not be next to her. Okay. Um, so I was working at this company and uh, working with this guy who we came in on the same day, uh, same role. We were in a group together. We got hired for the same position. And uh, he came up to me one day. We we're really cool. Me and this guy are really cool. Uh, he came up to me one day and said, are we, did our budget get cut for next year? And I said, um, not sure, you know, not sure why, why, what's up? And he said, well, the interns that they're bringing in are only, only going to be getting paid this amount. And the amount he gave me was like 12 to $15,000 more than what I was making for that role. We had been in the, we had only been in our roles for, for like eight months, seven months, something like that. So I said, come again. It was, it was how much? And so he told me and I, and I, I didn't flip the table. That's not the flip table moment. I got some help and I went to an executive that I was working with and I was like, Hey, listen, I have an employee. I didn't tell it was me. Cause you know, I didn't want her to think I was trying to use my my oh, relationship yeah. and I, she said i said i need to save an employee who is being underpaid by her you know based on on the peers that she has um and she wants to leave and so how do i save her because i was in uh diversity mm. and retention space at the time and so our goal was to try to save these employees of color and keep them employed um and so she said oh i'll put you with the director of retention okay great so i go meet with the director of retention i admit that it's uh not admit that it's me that's not true i was about to say i admit that it's me that don't i tell him the story of this person getting paid this much and this person getting paid this much and the fact that that discrepancy i had learned by the time i was in front of him was because of our school differences. He went to school A and you went to school B and we rank those differently. Mm. So, so I said to the director of retention, I've learned that this is why we are supposedly getting paid differently. And I think that systemically this is a problem. And he said, it's not a systemic problem if we built it that way. Oh. <laughs> and and I 
was a little taken aback because that's not the that's not the road I thought we were going down, right? I thought we were getting help. And so started getting a little bumpy, huh? <laughs> I was like, um, I'm sorry. And he said it's not a systemic problem if we built it with that intention. And so I was like, okay. And then I said, you know, but it doesn't really make sense that we would have these schools. We had school A, a list of school A, a list of school B, and then everybody else. So if you weren't on those handful of schools, you could be making upwards of $30,000 different in the same role because of just your school. And so then flip the table moment. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. We're ready. So this man said, if you had worked harder to get into a better school, then we wouldn't have to have this conversation. <laughs> In my mind, I said, Ninja, what? But outside of my mind, I said, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Mm. Was it a real life ninja? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. oh. It was, yeah. This was a, this was an executive who looked like me, who spoke to me on a very regular basis with a smile, like greeting, like, hey, Nisha, how you doing? How you been? And this man got heard my story and said, if you had worked harder, me, the person who started college at 16 because she finished early, me, the person who did that while working two jobs, me, I was like, excuse me? Wow. That's I had to pray to all the Lord <laughs> to keep my composure that day. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of the Lords, the Greek ones and the, the Egyptians. The <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Zeus, I need you. <laughs> Zeus, hey Zeus, we I need you all. <laughs> oh goodness. Wow. He got violated yeah, so. Oh really? Um, yeah. That's interesting. You know, um, you you hear the the stories about how um like Ivy League schools like people like put all this prestige on them and everything, but I had no idea that I guess I kinda knew, but I've just never heard anybody put it the way that you, you put it. Like there being these rankings in, in pay grade. Um <laughs> it's, it's it's just kinda mind blowing, you know, and you think about you're doing the same job. What if that person came in there and did a worse job than you? Like, how do you justify paying them more money when they're not performing as well as you? So it's yeah the the other world. piece of that um, the data shows that Ivy League graduates do not outperform their. Um, non-Ivy League counterparts, they they may start off further ahead, but the data shows us that eventually, as far as performance and output, um, 
it, it levels out. And so mm. that it makes it even harder to justify to me that difference in pay, especially when you know that the data says that. Now, yeah, that doesn't mean I wouldn't tell somebody just go ahead and go to one of those A and B schools so that you can get more money if that's something that you're able to do. But mm -hmm. yeah, the, the, in most companies, it's hard to catch up though. So if I started mm. at that upper level as far as my pay, right? So that that even out discussion is only about your performance. But with mm -hmm. your pay, every raise you get, every promotion that you get, and most people don't even know that, the promotion salaries that you get are based on essentially how you started out. So, you know, if I'm already 15 or $30,000 ahead of you just because of my school, if we get the same raises, you're not gonna catch up to me. Yeah, yeah. So for the rest I, of your actually, career, you gotta outpace me to catch up. Yeah, right. I actually just talked to my um, manager about like my raise and everything today. So like they have pay grades if you're like a grade eight is what I think I'm at. Like mm -hmm. you get a certain percentage based off of your salary. And so they just kind of like, for me, put things into perspective because if they started out you know, making thirteen, fifteen thousand $15,000 more than me, then yeah, they're always going to be ahead of me. So I, I feel like that's part of the reason why a lot of people leave companies and go somewhere else to get more money. Because even once I feel like you're in our organization, it's hard to get that raise that they're paying newer people like four or five years down the line. Like you, you're a more senior person. You might have a senior title position, but you still might be getting paid less than a junior or entry-level person just because of um like what their entry-level salary was at that time so yeah. it's it's crazy with the whole salary thing but yeah that and was say a, that, that was a I good think one. four years after four years you're basically giving up 40 percent of compensation when you stay with the same company instead of jumping to the next mm. It's a, interesting. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, four years is is what the data currently says. Is that's really the time that you need to be looking elsewhere, unless your job's going to step up financially. Mm -hmm. And I think that's about the time, the average time that a person stays at a job. Now, I think from an article that I just read a couple of months ago, four or five years. That's how long, I guess, the millennials and the young, the older Gen Z. I don't know if they've been working that long, but anyway, um, that people are staying at, at jobs just on average across all generations at four to five years. So that, that's very interesting, like mm. whether or not those correlate or if it's just a coincidence. <laughs> I would imagine they have to because you start noticing in many corporations that they they want to stall you as far as growth and Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you look at the data, it's, it's even slower when um, you have melanated professionals. Um, and so the easiest way to ensure that that doesn't happen to you, even if it's happening around you, is the jump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good story. <laughs> <laughs> well. It, it made for a good story for the podcast. It wasn't a good good story to actually experience. So, um, sorry you had to go through that. But yeah, you were you were, I, you know, I, I look up to a lot of people that I um I've asked to be on here because 
I um, don't think I would have the professionalism and the, the decorum to, you know, maintain my composure in some of these situations. So, you know, hats off to you all. Thanks. Thank you. Um, one, one more question. What is like, I guess, one of your biggest successes in your career? Oh, wow. Um, okay. I'm going to give you a favorite thing, like most okay. exciting thing. And then we'll see if that's enough. Okay. All right. So, um, the, the best thing that has happened to me thus far, um, is I got to work on the Olympics. Um, oh, nice. So I went to Tokyo for what was supposed to be the 2020 Olympics, but what ended up actually taking place in 2021. Um, mm. And uh, I was actually on the, the team that, um, like I was blinking a lot just now. I was on the team that did hospitality um, at the Olympics. So I, I hosted a hospitality program it ended up not going the way I wanted it to, but uh, it was an amazing experience getting to see things like the International Olympic Committee and how those things work and to be on the, some of the calls with those folks. Um, it was just probably the most exciting thing that I've gotten to do in my career. I mean, I feel like it would be hard to top that. <laughs> I feel like this exciting and like a, 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 a crowning gem in your career. Like not a lot of people can say that they've done that. Um, so I used to think that about um, Disney, but with the college program, so many people have worked at, at, at Disney. I don't think that it quite has the um, shine that it used to. Because it's like, <laughs> oh, I did the college program too. But, you know, the Olympics happen every two years, but four year for the respective, you know, mm -hmm. Olympic game. Um, so not a lot of people can say that they worked with or for the Olympics or the, that committee. So that's what's up. I actually, I actually don't think I knew that about you. Oh, so. yeah. I don't always do a good job. And you know, the world was falling apart. <laughs> I don't always do a good yeah. job saying it and the world was falling apart. So we didn't. Right. Yeah. 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 What are some self-care practices that you take part in? <sighs> um, it, can I say edibles on this call? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like I told somebody else, like this is like, I'm not restricting anybody. Somebody was, my first guest was talking about eating sh like shrooms. That, that's how he got on his career path and everything. So yeah. If, yeah. If no, edibles I, is what's. I, I was, <laughs> but, but it just felt like the right the right answer. Um, no, I do. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to change up what I was going to say because I, <laughs> step back. I need to preface this with, I did not do a good job of self-care until last year. Okay. So I've worked all 20 years mm -hmm. and I didn't have good self-care habits um, until last year. So you know, 
I'm new at this. Uh, but <laughs> now what I do is I take very regular walks. I make sure that even if I need to be on a call while I'm taking it, I get out into the sun um, because I need that. And I uh, we all do. We need to be moving and we also need sunlight, real sunlight um, mm-hmm. every single day. So that's a big self-care thing for me. Like somebody else take the notes for this meeting because... I'm walking. Um, I start every single day with a smoothie. I don't care what country I'm in. I don't care uh, where I am. I am definitely going to find somebody's smoothie and get it delivered or go to it. Um, so <laughs> the, that really helped me with like that consistency helped me with my self-care. Um, mm-hmm. when we have really big events. I either come a day early or stay a day later than everybody else so that I can have um, some peace. Uh, And often I have migraines right after our events, so I need time anyway. Um, And so that gives me the ability to kind of recuperate and then go home. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was something I had to learn. Like, it's okay to take an extra day because you need to make sure you're healthy when you're traveling for work and, you know, you need to be able to do your job. So um, all of those little things that just I needed, um, I started to really prioritize as self-care. Hmm. Gotcha. I think there's important decompression. I have a trip coming up and I plan to fly out like right after the, um, conference was over and so i was like man i need think i need to go back and change my departing flight to to like just take that extra day to decompress because you're just running around taking in so much information talking to so many people and you know making all these contacts networking and and it's it's a lot when you, and like traveling is it's convenient to fly but it's still kind of like a lot you have to hurry up and get to the airport and hurry up and wait and you know it's it's a lot tra- like for me flying can sometimes be stressful especially if i wake up late um yeah well that's definitely yeah. not a practice <laughs> it's not a good practice but yeah you all know my, my my sleep pattern is crazy so um <laughs> excuse me yeah so i think those are good so right now we're going to switch it up a little bit and play a, a little game um Oof. this or that i'm gonna ask you a few questions um and you have to pick either or and then I'll ask a couple of more questions. Um, I think it's finished the sentence. So first one, box braids or French braids? Box braids for sure. <laughs> I got a big okay. head and a lot of hair. <laughs> French braids do not look good. <laughs> I feel you on that. I had braids like once in my life and I was like, yeah, this, this isn't the look for me. Um, Issa Rae or Tiffany Haddish? Issa Rae. Okay. Hawaii or St. Lucia? What's crazy is I've not been to Hawaii or St. Lucia. Of all the places I've been, I don't know how I've never made it to either. I'm feeling some kind of way. Um, St. Lucia. Alrighty, so let's ask you a couple of more here. Those are just ones that I thought of because I'm I'm using this app and it kind of acts very um 
generic questions. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to say you were using an app that was going to, like, if I answer these questions, it'll get you something. So it's like, what's that? What oh, you nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so would you have, would you have a job you love and make no money or would you have a job that you hate and make a lot of money? One of those I already have. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Only look up or only look down. Only look up. Well, this was a this is a pretty loaded question. I don't know if I'm gonna ask it. Just tell me. You don't don't force me to have one unwanted have one unwanted child or have five planned children. One. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Planned or unplanned. That just sounds like a lot. So one. Um, so I, I think that's, that's it. I appreciate you being on here. So if you want to tell the people where they can reach you at and what you have planned next or what you have going on, you can take this opportunity to do that. Yeah. So, um, I'm on LinkedIn, Yasha Riley. Um, and now you know, you got to tell them how to spell your, your first oh, name for sure. <laughs> It don't, it's, it says it right here. No. Uh, yeah, somewhere. <laughs> it's N-Y-A-S-H-A and then Riley, R-I-L-E-Y. Um, I'm on Instagram, Yaz the Fly Vegan, um, if you want to follow me there. What's next for me? Um, honestly, I just want to grow my keynote program to be the biggest, baddest one in tech. Right. I just want us to be the the gold standard in keynote. And mm. I think that it's definitely feasible because very few places do events as big and as bold and as well as we do. Um, but yeah, that's what I want. Cool. I'll have to um to get with you and see where you all are gonna be going this year because I'm I'm going to quite a few tech events but it's more ed tech but I, I do do some stuff outside of um ed tech to see maybe if i can check out one of your your amazing spectacles of keynote shows the lights camera action and yeah. um, see what a great job you do in person well you do some um learning and design so the um uh if you all have AWS programs that you're doing mm-hmm. learning around, I could imagine that you would be, um, that you would want to come to our event, reInvent, which happens, reInvent, which happens in November every year. That one is our learning conference. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll look it up and um, share that with my, my team tomorrow. So it's good to know. Good to know. Well, thanks again, Niyasha, for being on the show. I appreciate you coming on and talking to um, the guest and I. And we have to have you on again. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Bye. All right. Thank you.